Man, I'm excited today to be beginning a new series, and this series has the potential of changing your life. Wherever you're making your connection with us, I promise, on spiritual formation, this is an opportunity for your growth. Whether you're joining us here in one of our campuses in South Florida, across the nation, around the world, and we are praying God's life change for you in this series. Now, in preparation for this talk, one of our staff made me aware that they had a drinking problem. That sounds like a matter of concern, doesn't it? I mean, we were sitting around a room like this, in, I mean, a room, talking about this message, and uh, with a group of staff, we're brainstorming, and one of them says, well, I need to tell you something, but it's very personal, so I, I need you to be careful with it. By the way, they told me it was okay to share this with you. You know what the problem was? They had been drinking from a bottle till they were age nine. One of these, from infancy to nine years of age. I know. I mean, lots of questions, right? Like, uh, how did that happen? <laughs> and what's going on? You know the question I asked? How did you stop? I mean, what changed it? And uh, here's what I was told, that when the person was little, I mean, infant, the drinker's parents had split, divorced, and baby essentially grew up fatherless. That is, until Father re-enters the picture around age nine, sees the nine-year-old still on a bottle and says, I can't believe it. You're nine and still drinking from a bottle. How many of your friends are drinking from a bottle? And the child said, I don't know. And dad said, well, I do. None of them. And the drinker in question <laughs> then said, you know, I remember having conflicting emotions at the time. I, I was wanting, I didn't want my dad to think that I was a baby, but I was also conflicted about thinking, mom, how could you let me be on the bottle for so long? And the person in question decided right then and there to say, I will never drink from a bottle again. And they didn't. I mean, and as you can imagine, there were other influences at work. For whatever reason, trying to keep the baby child through those years. But that day, when this expectation was given words, bottle time is over, grow up time has come, that little person left the bottle and never went back. Good story. Now, there is a time and a place for bottle feeding, but there's also a time for growing up, and the same could be said about us spiritually. Bottles are okay when you're just beginning. We start by drinking milk in the Christian life. Early in faith, we all need some personal bottle feeding, but if you've been coming to church four years, seven years, nine years, and you're still on the bottle, this, series, this message, I'm as your pastor, I'm saying bottle time is over. Grow up time has come. Now, I see people hearing this talk from different points of view. Like some, perhaps, are going to hear it as a wake-up call for your drinking problem. Bottle time is over. Grow up time has come. I don't know why you're still on the bottle. I don't know. Maybe you don't realize that your friends have already moved on or that there are other levels that you can now attain. Maybe something in your life has held you back. Maybe circumstances, maybe you just don't know what growing looks like. And uh, this series, I'm telling you, is gonna help you see that. You're gonna see where God can take you in your spiritual journey of following Christ. Others have been stalled 
or perhaps stunted in your spiritual growth, like you're, you just can't get off dead center or you're, you're stuck in second gear and feel like you're spinning your tire, you're going to find help here through key beliefs, spiritual practices, and action steps that you can take that will be catalytic to your personal spiritual growth. You're going to love this series and still others. I envision you listening for others because God is taking you from warrior into leader and you're going to be training others in their spiritual development as well. You're listening so that you can help someone else become stronger in their journey. Like deacons or group leaders or, um, or spiritual coaches or even parents I had one group say that they were going to take their, they're inviting their kids to join them for this month's study in their group for the benefit that it will bring. So uh, God can use what you learn to encourage somebody else. You know, a few years back, our church took a new name, Christ Journey. Why? Well, main reason, so our name would say what we are about. Christ comes first. And then because you can find him, you can know him personally, and you can follow him through life. The Christ journey is finding and following Christ. Find and follow Christ. Everyone's on a journey through life, but we help people find Christ and then journey through life with him into God's blessing. Now, that's what life is for. The God who made the world, every person in it, blessed it. This is the Bible story from the beginning, and he wants to bless you in it. In the Bible, the first posture of God toward humanity, the first action of God toward humanity is blessing. Genesis 1, verse 27. So God created male and female, and God blessed them your creator wants to bless you, to bring your life into a life of blessing, a life experiencing his favor. So what's the Christ journey? It is your personal pathway to blessing. God not only made the world and blessed us with life in it, he came to love us and then give himself for us to redeem us in Christ, not just for heaven someday, but for blessing Every day, God desires for you to live a life of blessing. Now, maybe two times a year, we host a special group's emphasis where what is taught on the platform in our weekend worship is also what we use in our groups for a deeper dive. And we're doing that now in this series. I'm very excited about it. Why? Because not only will every person that's connecting with us in a group this month have clearer understanding of what Christ's journey is all about, our church purpose, our vision, our values, our strategy, our mission, but every person will have opportunity to take their next step. You can take your next step into deeper discipleship, into truer spiritual formation in this series. Now, if you haven't received your own copy yet of the Christ Journey Passport, you're going to get it when you join a group. Your passport to blessing, we call it. And in it, you're going to find essential information for your personal spiritual journey, four milestones that will mark your journey as you grow spiritually. 
Now in the Bible story, Moses told the people of Israel, told Pharaoh in Egypt on behalf of his people in Israel, let my people go. And uh, God was breaking them free out of slavery into a new future in the promised land of his design. In the Christ journey, God is saying, let my people grow. Because his desire is to take us into the land of promise by experiencing full maturity. We're breaking free from sin and we're going to grow into full maturity in Christ. The ancient people of Israel were on a journey out of Egypt through the wilderness into the land of promise. So also as Christ's followers, we're on a journey out of the bondage of sin, pushing rising from death into new life and then into a future of promise in Christ. One way we say it is our tomorrows don't have to look like our yesterdays. Christ's death and resurrection have opened heaven for us someday, but have also made a way for us to taste heaven every day, whatever our situation. And that's part of what the Christ journey is. It's welcoming the kingdom of heaven. Jesus talked about the kingdom of heaven so many times in his ministries. And when he said, to, he taught us how to pray, he said, pray this way, our father in heaven, your kingdom come. How do we experience heaven on earth? That's what this series is about. The passport to blessing is welcoming some heaven into your experience on earth through your group life in community. In 2 Corinthians 5, Paul says this, if anyone is in Christ, here's how you can know you're truly in Christ. They're a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. So Christ came to make life new. He came to bring radical change to life. New perspective, new meaning, new purpose, new uh, ways to relate, new healing into life's hurts, new help so that we're connected in community to help others do the same. Emotionally, physically, spiritually, God's purpose is that new life will then bring new growth in his people and then benefit to his world. Now, maybe you feel <laughs> like as the new has come, the old really hasn't gone that far away. Fear not. You stay on the Christ journey, um, the journey of faith, and the benefits will find you. This is a process we're on. So you don't just do one lap on the Christ journey. You start as a learner, then you start going deeper as a disciple, and then you armor up as a warrior until you are now serving as a leader. So I want to suggest that perhaps many of our listeners are at different stages in your development, and it's appropriate for you to listen for your journey. Paul writes about that as well in 2 Corinthians 3.18. We are being transformed into his likeness. God's goal is to make us like Christ through an ever-increasing glory. One translation says from glory to glory. There are levels of spiritual development, levels of spiritual formation. Paul also says this, Romans 12, 2, being transformed, metamorphosized by the renewing of your mind, you will be able to test and approve what is, what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. God has a good, pleasing, and perfect will for your life. 
Would you like in on that in your life? Yes, we want every Christ follower at Christ's journey in our church growing in God's good, perfect, pleasing will. Growing in blessing. Now the nature of life is that healthy things grow. Plants grow through a process. Seed, sprout, fruit, fullness. People likewise grow through a process. Baby, child, adolescent, adult, right? Now listen, spiritually, we grow through a process. From spiritual birth and adoption into the family of God, his life coming alive in ours, then we grow through hydrating, hydrating on the milk of his truth, in the living water of his spirit, and then nourishing ourselves from the bread of life, from God's word, and then being loved in a community and of encouragement and love in his church, in God's family. And the goal is that we would grow into full engagement into what? God's good, pleasing, and perfect will as spiritual adults. That's the life of blessing we're talking about, your passport to blessing. That's the Christ journey. Now, Jesus introduced us to this journey in life as he begins his great Sermon on the Mount with a section called the Beatitudes, a series of blessings that we're invited into. They're like an on-ramp to the kingdom of heaven, to the kingdom of God, a track for spiritual growth, for spiritual formation. They're like a growth chart by which you can mark your progress and your Christian maturity. The first three Beatitudes show us the way to access God's kingdom blessings in our lives. They're like an on switch that when you and I apply the first three beatitudes, they bring God's blessing with them. Listen to them, here they are. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Heaven's coming to earth. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Healing is coming to your heart. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. A new world is going to open up for them. Now, I've said it before, but we can summarize those three like this. See your need, feel your need, yield your need to God. See your need, feel your need, yield your need to God. When you and I do those things, possess these attitudes, Jesus says, blessing will result. Now, the first beatitude says, blessed are the poor in spirit. That speaks to a rational awareness of our spiritual condition, our spiritual need. We're poor. As long as you think you've got it together without God, you're going to miss this blessing. The first step toward blessing is realizing your need before God. Now, Jesus is not glamorizing poverty, financial poverty. There's nothing glamorous or uh, being poor is, uh, is not a praiseworthy thing. There's, it's hard. There's nothing glamorous about being broke, right? But when we see rationally and understand our need embracing our spiritual poverty before God, then that's the first step to blessing. Now, where does our poverty come from? Well, God's perspective says it's something called sin. And there's a, a line in one of David's prayers from Psalm 51 that makes it clear. He says, have mercy on me, O God, 
according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sins. Now, three words that lend understanding as to our problem. The first one is transgression. It means acts of open rebellion or revolt, violating the boundary. When we violate God's law, we are rejecting God's authority over our lives. And when we willfully cheat or lie or steal or commit acts of sexual infidelity when we cross lines of sexual boundaries. Uh, those are acts of rebellion that reflect transgression against one another and against God. That's what David is talking about. The word iniquity means crooked, twisted. There's something in me that's not right, something in us that's not right. Our moral compasses are off point our conscience is, is twisted. It tells us something's wrong, but it doesn't tell us the whole truth. So, left to our own devices, we go astray. Jesus said that, like sheep, we go astray. He said, we're like the blind leading the blind, and we both fall in a ditch. Sin makes us poor guides. And then the third word is sin. It means simply to miss the mark. Imagine an arrow being aimed at a target and falling short. To fail or to fall short of your intended moral goal is sin. So God has this glorious intention for blessing and his purpose for our lives, but when we fall short, we miss the mark, we miss the blessing. We make wrong turns. We break God's law. We break God's heart. And when we turn to our own ways, we wind up in a condition Jesus calls poor in spirit. Now that hardly sounds like blessing, does it? How blessed, Jesus says. How can Jesus say blessed are the poor in spirit? No, I'm a mess. I'm messed up. Well, here's what I see. When we rationally, when I rationally acknowledge my need, when we rationally become aware of our moral condition before God, our moral failure, Jesus said that's the first step toward blessing. Blessed are the poor in spirit because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. God wants to bring blessing from heaven in his grace to our lives. He will do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. He gives us the kingdom. And then Jesus said, the next step is this, blessed are those who mourn. Mourn is an emotional word, an emotional awareness. Mourn is grief language. You know, when you're mourning, you feel bad. You're aware of a loss that is moving you inside. You're having an emotional experience. You feel bad. You feel sad. You might even feel mad about it, but it's an emotional experience. Jesus says the blessing of kingdom comfort comes when we mourn, when we feel sorrow over our sin, our impoverished condition. Paul writes about it and calls it godly sorrow. Now, what's the difference between feeling guilty and feeling godly sorrow. Well, one difference is when you feel guilty, you're sorry you got caught. But when you're feeling godly sorrow, you're ready for a change. You know something's got to change. And that's what the third beatitude brings us to about being ready for a change. Blessed are the meek. They shall inherit the earth. 
Meekness isn't weakness. Meekness is humility open to a change. Jesus is saying, once you see your need rationally and you feel your need emotionally, then you are ready to yield your need in meekness, in humility to God volitionally. You make a choice. Somewhere in there, here's what you say. This has got to change. I cannot keep living this way. I can't go on like this. And when we come to that point and cross the line of faith in that new humility, I say, I'm open to a new decision in light of my situation, and I yield my life to God, then that's when the breakthrough comes. That's what repentance means. The word repent means yield to God. 2 Corinthians 7 verse 10, godly sorrow, this is the letter Paul was writing about godly sorrow. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. Can you imagine that? A life with no regret. The blessing of freedom. So look what's happened in three Beatitudes. I rationally see my need. I, I'm poor in spirit. I emotionally feel my need and I mourn. I grieve my condition and my loss to the point that I volitionally yield my need to God and say, I'm ready for a change. And Jesus said, how blessed are you? Bless, bless, bless. And now you're gonna inherit the earth. A whole new world is gonna open up to you. This is the world of the Christ journey. This is the world of God's blessing. See your need, feel your need, yield you need to God. You open your mind, your heart, your life to God's salvation in Christ, and you have just gained personal access to the kingdom of heaven. These are attitudes from which we will grow at every level of our spiritual development, at every lap on the Christ journey, whether this is your first lap as a learner or your second lap as a deeper disciple or your third lap as a winning warrior or your fourth lap where now you're leading others and training teams to make a difference for God. What you are doing, here's how it works at every level. Open to God's will, open to change by turning from sin to receiving God's gift of salvation in Christ, welcoming his forgiveness and the new beginning that comes with it. This is how it works. Now, it occurs to me that some of us, especially in our culture, may have a hard time stomaching the idea that sin is our issue. So maybe I could frame it this way. Saying I have a sin problem is like admitting to myself and to God, you know what? I don't have it all together. That's where it begins. I'm willing to admit that I do not possess in myself alone everything I need to reverse my problem, to turn this thing around. So, and admitting that I have a problem doesn't mean self-loathing. I'm not down on myself for it. I'm just telling the truth. I'm stepping out of denial out of hubris, out of self-deceit, and I'm just saying, I'm Jesus would say you're stepping into the truth that sets you free, that will let my people grow. I'm agreeing with God that what the Bible calls the mystery of iniquity is at work within me. That's what scripture calls it, the mystery of iniquity. It, that means it's more than simply the dramatic dark side of the force. It's more than simply 
karma that will find you out or negative energy in the universe. It's more than uh, the upward stumble of an evolving race that's proving the survival of the fittest. No, Jesus says it's sin against God. And by admitting my sin, I'm stepping into an opportunity of new beginning in Christ, of bringing heaven to earth in me. Now, it doesn't mean that we're each one as bad as we could be. It doesn't mean that there aren't others that appear to be better than others of us. What sin means is that every one of us have been affected somehow. The infection is spreading. We all suffer from it. We may not be able to define it or identify it clearly. It's a mystery, but we feel it. We feel it from others. We deal with it in ourselves. We can't escape it by ourselves. And that we're like Israel in bondage in Egypt, and we can't get out without God's help. But God brings help. Moses came to Israel, and God's power brought them through. Jesus came to us, and in Christ, God offers himself as the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Just as in Egypt, there came a time where the people were challenged by faith to put the blood of a Passover lamb, the blood of the lamb on the doorposts of their homes so that judgment would pass over their homes. So God in Christ is our Passover lamb who has offered himself the perfect, spotless, infinite gift to take my place, take my judgment for sin upon himself. So God offers me forgiveness as a free gift that allows me access to the kingdom of heaven. Salvation is by grace. That's what we mean. Nothing I do or have done can earn my salvation, but God has given me everything I need to access the blessing of salvation in Christ by grace through faith in prayer. One of the spiritual practices we'll be learning is prayer in our groups. But that's how the journey begins. And then the action step, one of the action steps is being baptized. Be baptized, be baptized in water. The water, why? What, the what is water baptism. Jesus said, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But why? Well, the simple answer is because it portrays you're your leaving the old life and entering into the new life in Christ. It shows that you are entering God's story as Christ is now coming alive in you and that water becomes a kind of grave where just as Jesus died and then rose from the dead, you now have joined him in his death and are rising to walk in newness of life in him. For some of you, maybe you, that's the next action step you need to take today that would take you off dead center and get some traction happening in your spiritual life. Now, it doesn't mean you're perfect. It doesn't mean you won't stumble along the way. It simply means that you are in Christ, Christ is in you, and now we're on the journey together. So what's your step today? Is it to trust Christ as your savior, to welcome him to your life, to acknowledge that you have a poverty of spirit, and then let it move you to turning toward him? Then I want to encourage you to do that. Perhaps as a believer, it's time to connect to a group 
and allow other people into your journey, into your family life, maybe in your spiritual family life. Maybe you've been on the bottle for a while, but God wants to take you deeper in discipleship. That's your step. Or maybe it's time to say, I've trusted Christ, but I've got to follow him in baptism. Whatever your step is, I want to encourage you to take it as we make our prayer right now. Lord Jesus, thank you that you have modeled for us the way in to blessing, how we can access heaven right here on earth. And I'm praying your blessing upon every person who is joining with us in this study, in their group time, in their personal time, in our worship time, that we would sense the blessing of your kingdom coming to us, tasting heaven on earth, feeling the comfort that comes from acknowledging our sin before you and being forgiven and the connection to your community and then how the door opens to a brand new world as we say, Lord, we want to follow you. Now, if you're on the front end of your spiritual journey, here's the way to do that right now. Pray, Lord Jesus, forgive my sins. I need you. I can't do it for myself, but I open my heart to receive your salvation. Do for me what I cannot do for myself. And I am turning from going my own way and turning to follow you and your way. Bring a change to my life as I make my prayer in your name. Now our heads are still bowed for a moment, but as you prayed that prayer and would now let me ask God's blessing upon your next steps of faith, would you simply raise your hands wherever you're seated? If you're joining us online, there's a banner on screen you can click and we will pray likewise for you. Thank you. Thank you. Now, everybody's praying for somebody right now for the next step they're going to take, but especially for these who are taking their first step forward. Lord Jesus, may each one experience the personal blessing that you promised. As the old is going away and the new is coming into being, in your name we pray, amen.